The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the EPA podcast right here on Bleeding green nation as always i'm your host victor williams be sure to follow me on all platforms twitter instagram anywhere else <laughs> you've seen my face be sure to uh follow me over there at the philly pod if you are new uh, to bleeding green nation appreciate you guys for taking a listen uh to the feed be sure to subscribe on apple itunes spotify uh iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your podcast be sure to uh, rate five stars and leave those reviews all of them help with the exposure of Bleeding Green Nation, bring it to more eyes and ears of football fans, NFL fans, Eagles fans alike. Joining me as always, my co-host, you can find him on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. He is Shane Half. Shane, we uh, have a win to talk about this week coming off their their first loss of the season, 9-1. and one. Uh, Not all wins are pretty. This one certainly wasn't, but a W nonetheless. How you feeling, buddy? Yeah, if there was an ugly win column on the on the standing sheet this one would go in there uh, but there's not so a win is a win um it, it could have been prettier it could have made me feel better uh, it's kind of the second <laughs> game second straight game in a row there have been some struggles but uh, unlike a week ago on monday night football this week the eagles walk out with the win so that at least feels good yeah when we get to the postseason and all and talk about seeding and stuff nobody's going to care about how you won these games they're just going to see uh the number of wins and that is going to uh, obviously dictate how the Eagles move forward. Now with a two-game cushion after uh, Dallas took down Minnesota because they have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Vikings. So now they have the one-game advantage plus the tiebreaker. A nice little two-game cushion for them as far as the uh, NFC is concerned. But yes, the Eagles escape Indianapolis with the 17-16 to win over the Colts thanks to the heroics of Jalen Hurts and him accounting for his two touchdowns. 88% of the offensive yardage was all was all Jalen Hurts, and he had to make some magic happen in the fourth quarter uh, because the Eagles tried, tried as hard as they could to, to not win this game. You have the A.J. Brown fumble. You have penalties on penalties. You have reserve tight ends trying to make up for Dallas Goddard. There were a lot of things that went wrong in this game, but the Colts did everything they could to, to hand the Eagles the win, and then the Eagles took it in the end. Uh, Shane, just your immediate takeaways – um, from this game, I know it's uh, when we did the post game show <laughs> uh, uh, to now, some time has passed. But now that um, we've, we've sat on it for a little bit, how do you feel overall about this team at this point in the season? And are there any uh, overlying concerns that we should zone in on as, as the Eagles move forward and prepare for a playoff run? Uh, defensively, 
Uh, what I watched on the All-22 kind of confirmed my thoughts post-game. Uh, I thought the defense played really well. I thought there were some tweaks to the run defense that showed up in a big way. Uh, the coverage was really good behind it. Uh, so the defense I thought was really good. The offense um, is still concerning. Uh, there's definitely some questionable game plan things uh, that we'll get into. Uh, overall, I didn't feel like maybe I, I might have given a little too much heat to Shane Steichen on the postgame show for the offensive game plan. <laughs> he didn't get off the hook. That's for Yeah, sure. he didn't get off the hook, and he, he shouldn't. There were some issues there, but I did walk away with some concerns about the receivers. Uh, the Colts played a lot of man coverage, and there was a lot of reps where I, watching broadcast, I would have put that on Jalen Hurts got a little skittish in the pocket watching the All-22. Mm -hmm there was a lot of reps where just nobody was open. And so Hertz had to kind of scramble around and do some things. And so uh, you would like with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith on your roster to not have to have Dallas Goddard to be able to beat man coverage, but it did look that way for portions of the game uh, on Sunday. Yeah. The, the, the offense certainly had their struggles. Uh, the, the rushing game, Jalen Hurts kind of went back to his roots. He had the uh, uh, most rushing yards in this game since week one. So he had to make a lot of things happen, especially in the fourth quarter, but you have the uh, the A.J. Brown fumble. Um, so basically, right, Marcus Epps forces the fumble. T.J. Edwards um, recovers it. I forget. Was it Jonathan Taylor? They were he's moving the pile. Yeah. And then Epps uh, eventually strips it. T.J. Edwards recovers it. And then uh, A.J. Brown gives it right back on the fumble uh, of his own. So two uncharacteristic fumbles uh, two weeks in a row for the Eagles receivers. The Quez botch last week, and now you have A.J. Brown uh, doing what he did um, um, this week. So now the Colts are driving, right? And it, they're they're within scoring range. And Shane, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the Colts score there and make it 20 to 10, the game's essentially over at that point. Hassan Reddick comes up with a big sack, uh, forces the Colts to settle for a field goal. Um, there was a face mask. We talked about it a bit on post game. That face mask that I'm sure was a makeup call uh, for for not getting one that landed Dallas Goddard on IR last week. But you get the face mask call, uh, um, or you don't get it. Rather, you get the sack, 16 to 10. And then it's all up to Jalen Hurts at that point. Obviously, makes it happen down the stretch with some weird shenanigans along the way. You have the Miles Sanders penalty. Uh, he got he got leveled on that like 39-yard bomb that that drew the PI penalty. And then you have five straight runs, three of them to Boston Scott. He he's had two carries put together over the last two weeks. And then for whatever reason, Sirianni and Steichen decided let's give it to him three straight times in crunch time and see how that works out. So all of that culminates into the uh, the two-minute warning. And the, the fake QB sneak and all this other stuff that hurts eventually gets the draw to take it into the end zone. But what was what was going on with that final drive? Because they, they did kind of like back their way into the end zone on that drive. It wasn't like a definitive, like, you know, fourth quarter, two minute drill. It was a lot of weird, fluky stuff that culminated in hurts, obviously putting putting the team on his back. It was. Yeah. To go back to the Son Reddick sack, that sack, that sack <laughs> is huge because. I, I truly believe that's four down territory for the Colts when they've got right. third and They're goal at the five. I see. If you don't get in, if it's fourth and goal from the five, I think you go for it there. What does a field goal mm -hmm. get you? It doesn't really get you that much. It doesn't put you up a touchdown. But that sack, when all of a sudden it's fourth and goal from the 20, you're kicking the field goal. So that was huge from Reddick. And then, yeah, that Eagles drive was weird. First three plays were pass plays, and then they didn't pass the ball again. Um. I don't, it was, it was strange. You have the three straight runs with Boston Scott in the red zone when he hadn't had to carry that far, uh, thus far in the game. <laughs> um, third and two. So that third and two, I, I'm in the middle of 
doing a Jalen Hurts passing review video from this game, and I just mm-hmm. recorded this play. I haven't got it all pieced together to post yet, but um, they motion Miles Sanders across the formation to create a four by one set, and his primary read is AJ Brown on a curl route. It's third and two, you know, um, and, and it's covered. And so he comes across the formation to his tight end that's on a curl route that's not open, to his receiver that's on a post route that's not open. Like, And he comes to the fourth read. uh, Miles Sanders on the wheel route is the fifth read on this route. And after the fourth read, he starts to like move around in the pocket. And there's no pressure. And Miles Sanders is wide open. Now, (laughs) it... You don't you don't often expect a quarterback to get to his fifth read on a play, and there's that internal clock playing a part there. But man, if he would have just come off of that to the fifth read, that's a touchdown on that play to Miles Sanders, and he gets skittish in the pocket. I'm not sure why, other than just internal clock, and eventually he comes to it and he underthrows it, and the Eagles get lucky. I don't know what I think it was Zaire Franklin. I don't know what he was thinking on that play. <laughs> uh, the broadcast was like, "Oh, he saved a touchdown." I was like, "No, he didn't." Like that. I that don't think that was, was the never going to get completed. <laughs> but bails the Eagles out on that one. Uh, you would like to see Hertz come to that read and get the ball out. He doesn't. Um, but it doesn't end up mattering. But it was just a weird drive that, and th- there were, there were strange coaching decisions in this game. You mentioned the the fake sneak on fourth and two, like. Yeah. What are we doing here? It, like, but there's no way they know. Like, the Colts have to know. Like, as good, as effective as the Eagles are on QB sneaks, um, they they have to know. Like, there's no way they're gonna snap this and expect to get two yards. So, yeah. and, I and, guess Sirianni thought like we can scare them into jumping offsides, maybe. But. And the issue, the bigger issue is you have to take a timeout to get out of that. Like, it'd be one thing if you had right that after first, a two minute warning. You it, just discussed this. Yeah, you just discussed it. It'd be one thing if you had <laughs> personnel on the field that you could just shift your look when they don't jump and then run a play. But right. by calling that timeout, you're saying if we don't convert on fourth down, we will not get the ball back. That's putting a <laughs> lot. That's putting a lot of confidence in your ability to draw somebody off sides or convert on fourth down. So I didn't like that. Um, I did, however, really like that the Jalen Hurts touchdown run. That's the easiest game-winning touchdown you'll ever see, where they they pulled uh, Fletcher or not Fletcher Cox. Uh, they pulled uh, Jason mm-hmm. Kelsey across the formation, and Bobby Okereke just he follows him. He thinks it's a run play to the outside and hurts. You never seen an opening that wide uh, in the red zone for the QB, just a high step into the end zone. So uh, the Eagles get the win was not pretty on offense. Uh, the offense, they fumbled two times and they only had three drives with more than two first downs. So uh, you don't feel confident about the place the offense is in right now, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If there was more, more like the Colts handed the Eagles the win in that case, because on, on the touchdown run, we saw the uh, well, I saw. I don't know if you caught the Orlovsky breakdown of that, where how basically the linebackers one was focused um, on Kelsey because they assume, you know, you're taught basically wherever the center is, the ball is going. So, right. so the linebacker follows Kelsey and then on um, the other linebacker or, or corner, I forget who the defender was. He follows Jack Stahl, who mm-hmm. is essentially uh, uh, on the other side. And once both guys are occupied, there's no other guy to contain Jalen Hurts. And like you said, the easiest game winning touchdown he's probably ever going to get in, in his career other than other than a QB sneak. Uh, but but the final drive is interesting because I've seen takes about how the limited passing opportunities shows how the Eagles feel about Jalen Hurts as a passer. And I was like, I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if that's if that's the case, if they're not confident enough in Hurts throwing ability to have them throw them into into scoring range to win this game. So that's why they called the two running plays to Miles Sanders, then the two to Boston Scott, and then and then Hertz took it from there. Uh, what do you make of the Eagles being 
uh, very run heavy down the stretch to, to, to try and win that game. I'm going to chalk that up to just one of the strange coaching decisions too. Um, mm-hmm. that, so it's not Hertz's talent. It's not reflective of Hertz's talent as a quarterback, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think so. I mean, Hertz had, a, Hertz had some really good throws in this game. He ends 19 to 25. I think he was, he was good throwing the ball. Um, I don't know if, you know, they were struggling to uncover against man. I don't know if some of that goes into it. Like they weren't trying to run the clock. I saw mm-hmm. people saying they were trying to run the clock. They were up tempoing and snapping with 20 seconds left. If you're trying to run the clock, you're not going to do that. Um, I, I don't really know what the, I don't know what the idea was behind that. I don't think it's that you don't trust Hertz. Um, but for some reason they chose to run the ball almost, well, not almost exclusively after those first three plays when the run game had not been working so far. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you look at, uh, they had an RPO that Hertz should have given that he pulled it and they end up throwing the ball away. You've got the one where he misses Miles Sanders. So maybe off the back of two, what you could call QB mistakes, they just felt like they needed to run the ball. I don't really know what to make of that other than to say it was strange <laughs> uh, and really inconsistent with any of the narratives I've seen out there. They're not trying to run the clock. That's obvious. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't just know. don't know what to make of that. Yeah, that, that that is strange. Well, should, people shouldn't say it is it is because of Jalen Hurts' lack of talent. Jalen Hurts in this game, eighteen of twenty five, one hundred and ninety yards. The passing touchdown to Quez Watkins. Quez making up for his blunder last week with a with a with a. He beat Kenny Moore, who's people tried to tell me that Kenny Moore has been cooked for two years. I thought he was one of the top slot defenders um, in the league. You as 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 the film guy obviously can tell tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's like, is he not a top five slot defender in the NFL anymore? Is he falling off? Uh, I thought he was up there. Yeah, he's a, I, Kenny Moore's a good player, I think. That's um, what I thought. That's what I thought. Quest blowing by him. Everybody was like, oh, it's only Kenny Moore. I'm like, he's a he's a he's a top nickel cornerback. So I thought Yeah, I definitely so, wouldn't uh, call I definitely wouldn't call Kenny Moore cooked. Um he might not be at the <laughs> right. level that he once was, but I think Kenny Moore's a good player and that was a good route by Quest. Yeah, very good. Blue right by him, and a, and, a, and just a dot from 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 Jalen Hurts. His his timing, if anything, his timing on on throws, like to AJ Brown as slants. That's when you see it the most. His timing on throws is has astronomical difference. Uh, the the contrast from this year to last season. But a uh, hundred and seven point one passer rating in this game, and the sixteen carries for eighty six yards. Like I mentioned prior, the most since week one, and that victory over Detroit. He had ninety yards. In that game, it was up Sirianni, Steichen, and Hurts. Basically, told Jalen Hurts, I guess they, I think this was the game plan coming out of last game. Like, we're going to put the ball more in your court this week. Hurts accounted for 88% of the total yards. Eagles have 314. Hurts accounted for 276 of, of those yards. So, MVP like stuff from Jalen Hurts. He probably was the MVP leader for maybe four hours before Pat Mahomes did what he did. On, on Sunday night. So at the end of the day, I don't think Hertz is going to have the stats to really compete with Mahomes, but he's certainly in that MVP conversation. Shane, on the uh, on the post game, uh, we talked about the tight ends and kind of somewhat being vindicated on our prior uh, desires for for ones at the deadline. We didn't get them, and now we have Grant Calcaterra trying to hold, trying to block people. He's getting called for holding penalties because it's not his strong suit. The three tight ends as a whole combined for one catch for seven yards what are we what are we going to do about the tight end position is there any hope for this group until dallas goddard comes back no i mean (laughs) not in the short term uh you grant calcaterra is he's a project player that's why you took him on day three he's not ready yet that's why he's six round pick yeah he's not ready yet jack stoll is just not a good football player he can block a little bit but 
he's just not a receiving threat. Um, I think your best chance is for Tyree Jackson to just come out of nowhere. And I don't think that's going to happen either. So uh, he had a penalty himself. I think. Yeah, he did. I, I would love to see him go more four wide receiver and spread things out while, while they wait on Goddard to get back. I don't know that they're going to do that. They ran a lot of 11 personnel in this game. They like to keep their tight ends on the field. Uh, All three of them. Yeah, I think Stoll played like 81% of the snaps. So yeah. I don't think the tight end is going anywhere. Uh, and I don't think these tight ends are going anywhere. So <laughs> I guess we could take that both ways. But I don't expect a lot of production out of tight end until Dallas Goddard comes back. Yeah, Jack Stahl is uh, clearly the tight end one. He led the snaps uh, by a wide margin on uh, on Sunday. So um, I, I see this is this is another take. I want to hit on the receivers real quick. Uh, I see some people saying, of course, this is on the Internet, that Devontae Smith has taken a step back this year. I don't think that's the case. He's not getting as many deep looks, in my opinion. Uh, but what do you make of Devontae Smith thus far uh, into the season? He led the team in snaps, receptions and yards uh, last week. So he's he's one of the beneficiaries of Dallas Goddard uh, uh, going down. But what do you make of Devontae Smith in these last few weeks? Yeah, Smith's been fine. Um, I guess you could maybe say it's a disappointing year in terms mm-hmm. of people thinking he would have more production. I actually thought, you know, preseason, I said that I thought that he would have more yardage than A.J. Brown this season. I thought A.J. Brown would draw a lot of extra attention. Uh, I said that. So, I said Devontae would have more yards and A.J. would have more touchdowns. That was my take before the season. Yeah, that, that's where I was at as well. And so if that was your expectation, you could call it a disappointing season if you're playing fantasy football with it. But in terms of him taking a step back, he hasn't, he's still putting out, you know, he still runs really good routes. He's got good hands. He's, he's done the things that he's showing the things he showed last year. He's just not wide receiver one. I guess not even that he's still kind of splitting. I I think he's probably clearly wide receiver two behind AJ Brown in terms of the pecking order. But last year he was it. He was the only receiver you had. And and this year he's not. Mm -hmm. So his production has taken a dip, but his play hasn't fallen off. Yeah, Jalen Rager last year. Don't uh, don't uh, don't uh, you know, <laughs> slight that foot up. Yeah, I think I think Smitty has been has been perfectly fine. Obviously, when you add a guy like AJ Brown, your your role diminishes to an extent. But Smitty's never a guy that's going to complain about his numbers. He's 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 good in the role that he's in. Uh, I'm glad that Quez was utilized more uh, a bit more in the offense. People are trying to say like Odell Quez is like not not good anymore. I'm like he just doesn't get his role isn't as as big as it was last year. So his talent isn't on display, but very good route by him on that touchdown that uh, pulled the Eagles to within three in the uh, fourth quarter. This comeback was the Eagles. I believe it was their first fourth quarter double digit comeback since uh, Miracle at the Meadowlands, right? From 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 2010, the largest comeback. And is this Hertz first game winning drive? Is it technically? Uh, Did he have another? I'm not sure on that, but. It might have been. It might have been. I know there were some close ones last. That that throw to Quez last week was all but a game-winning throw. But, but you know, we know how that. We know how that ended. Um, before we hit on some uh, defensive notes, because there's a lot of uh, praise to go around defensively. Any other uh, things you want to fire off as far as the offense? I think we kind of uh, hit hit on everything. Good game by Hertz. Obviously, carry the offense. Not much to speak of as far as the uh, the running game is concerned. Do you want to take a look at Daryl Henderson? He was released um, yesterday. Uh, obviously, Melvin Gordon's probably not not a good bet there uh, with all his fumbling woes. But Henderson's out there. What do you make of the running backs? I mean, I'd give I'd give anybody a shot to come take a job from Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell. But Austin Scott's a kick returner now, dude. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Trey Sermon's the guy. The, the, the second best running back on this team is a game day and active every week. So 
I, I, I've wanted to see Sermon for a while. I don't think they're going to make any sort of move. I think if they were, they would have put in a claim, but um, I, I don't see that. But I will say one other note on the offense, though. Um, so Jalen Hurts now is third in QB rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons in the NFL at 21. So he trails mm-hmm. Josh Allen, who had 25, and Cam Newton, mm-hmm. who had 28. So he's got seven games mm-hmm. to go. So with one touchdown a game, uh, he could tie Cam Newton's rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons. Although notably, he would have played 36 games uh, versus Cam Newton playing 48. So if you ever wondered, you know, what sort of rushing production Hertz puts up historically, like he, he's on pace to tie that record playing 12 less games. So incredible stuff there from him. Yes, and despite what people may believe, they were saying this a lot before the season, the rushing attack is not a detriment to the offense. It is an additional weapon. And uh, Hertz likes to call himself a triple threat rather than a dual threat. He has said he has his passing, his rushing, and he has his mental. You know you know what I've realized now that like we, we watch as much film as we do? And this has always been the case, but I've realized a lot more as I try to dissect Jalen Hurts. Do you know how smart you have to be just to like run an offense? Oh, yeah. Like the things you have to memorize and like understand and like comprehend. And then on top of that, you have to go out there and execute it at a high level. There's a reason why there's only 32 of these jobs in the NFL. And you could argue that six to seven of the guys in the league right now probably shouldn't have those jobs. Um, Zach Wilson just got benched for whatever reason. So that's that's a whole nother thing. But when you sit and watch it, us as content creators just trying to understand the concept so that we can create half decent content and then like these people have to go out there and do it and did this while they get paid millions it is just it is just wild to uh i mean i I watch a play like that miles the one i was just talking about the underthrow to miles sanders where sanders is the fifth guy in the progression i watched that play like 12 times to sketch out the routes and get the progressions down and what the coverage is doing and hertz has one shot at that and he's got three seconds to do it well 300 pound guys are trying to kill him. So it's impressive the way, and of course he knows what the play is on the front end, but uh, yeah, it's impressive just how they're able to process all that stuff. Or even on situations where like, say like the radio doesn't come into like the helmet and you have to like figure it out on your own. Like, and you have to make sure the whole offense and the offensive line knows what's going on. And it is, it is, it is a lot. Speaking of that, what's been going on these last few weeks with Kelsey's uh, snaps, one over the head last week, um, one went early against Washington, hit hurts in the chest. He didn't see that coming. What is uh, what, what do you what do you think's going on there? I have no idea, but I hope they figure it out. Uh, <laughs> I know if you see some cadences in the film or something, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it, it's happened some early in the season too. They had a couple fumbles off of snaps. Um, I don't know, May, maybe Jason Kelsey is trying to do the Eagles a solid and inflate Hurts uh, fumble count so they can talk him down in contract negotiations. I don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> but team it has been an issue some throughout the year, and it hasn't really cost him big yet. I guess it cost him a fumble. I think it was against the Commanders, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully that gets smoothed out. Yeah. Fun fact about Jason Kelsey: this Sunday he will, if you know, God, God forbid, you know, anything happens, but as if as long as he suits up this Sunday. He will break Chuck Bagnarit's a sixty-year-long record of hundred and thirty-two consecutive starts. If Kelsey suits up for his hundred thirty-third, he will break that record for the most consecutive starts in Eagles history. Chuck was the last one to do it from nineteen forty-one to nineteen sixty or nineteen forty-nine to nineteen sixty-two. So uh, there you go. There's some uh, there's some Eagles history for <laughs> Jason Kelsey, uh, shoe and Hall of Famer. He's hundred and thirty-three consecutive games. The last one he missed was Week Seven of the twenty fourteen season. It's crazy. That is a long time. That's a long. That's a long time to be playing football, man, <laughs> at a high level, at 35 years old. 
Uh, speaking of 35-year-olds, uh, one joined the team last week, <laughs> literally on Thursday, <laughs> and made a heck of an impact along with Linval, Joseph, and Dominican Sue and Joseph combined for seven tackles, two QB hits, and a sack against the Colts and stuffed the run, of course, after that blasphemous uh, first drive with whatever Gannon was trying to do. They got their feet underneath them, held Jonathan Taylor to just 2.3 yards per carry after that first drive. Joseph and Sue look like they can still play at, at a decent level, and it'll only you know be better once Jordan Davis comes back into the mix. Shane, what did you make of the Eagles' debuts of the two guys that have been with this team for all of four and five days prior to that game? <laughs> yeah, so let's start with the first drive. Uh, the first drive. <laughs> Do we have to? Do yeah, we have yeah to? <laughs> real quick. So Gannon tried to roll out the same offense, the odd fronts, nickel personnel, and just insert Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue in the middle, and we'll see if that'll fix the defense. Well, it did. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 49 yards on the opening drive. So they may, and this is what I talked about in, in that Twitter thread, that plugging those guys in would not fix the defense. There was going to have to be some schematic changes that happened. That, this is what you said prior to that game, like when the signing happened, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember a, that. I remember you fighting the good fight. At yeah, that time. I had a Twitter <laughs> thread just talking about Linval Joseph and the Chargers defense, and people were trying to tag me on that afterwards and be like, how'd that work out? And I was like, literally yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. like I said. Um, <laughs> they tried to insert them, and it didn't work, and then they made some schematic adjustments after that. They didn't stop playing nickel. They started run blitzing a lot on early downs, particularly Josiah Scott firing through, like, C-gaps. Uh, you had – Chauncey Gardner Johnson coming through a B gap on one that they, they started to run blitz a lot. And people look at this game and they say the Eagles played the run better than they did against the commanders. They actually allowed more yards per carry than they did against the commanders 3.8 versus 3.1. Mm -hmm. The reason it feels better is because there was a number of times you were stacking those guys up at the line of scrimmage against the commanders. It was consistently three yards every play, which is fine if you can get off the field in third and short situations and the Eagles couldn't here, they were mm -hmm. selling out. They were run blitzing more. They're getting tackles for loss. They're getting stops for no gain. Now they gave up some rushes too, uh, but that doesn't feel so bad when sometimes you're getting into second and 12 and now you can get your pass rush sets on the field. And so we saw more aggression out of Jonathan Gannon and a lot of it came from run blitzing. And, you know, after the opening drive, the defense only allowed 20 yards per drive the rest of the game. They gave up nine points, mm -hmm. and six of them came on short fields after offensive turnovers. So um, really good performance by the defense, I think. They pressured Matt Ryan on 44% of his dropbacks, uh, mm -hmm. 20 pressures. They sacked him four times. Three of those sacks came on plays where they did not blitz. Uh, mm -hmm. I put this stat out on Twitter, too, that people complain about Gannon not blitzing, but the Eagles ranked 13th in the league in blitz rate um, at 27%. Doesn't feel like it, but he doesn't want to blitz. He's hesitant to blitz. The Eagles right. come out the opening drive on a third and six, first third down of the game, and they send a blitz, and they get a guy in a free runner, but it's still a completion. Ryan gets the ball out, and it turns into a 20-yard gain, and when that happens, you're going to be hesitant to blitz. Now, he dialed some up in good situations at the end of the game, but the Eagles are so good at getting pressure without blitzing. Uh, they're number two in the league in ESPN's pass rush win rate. They've got three guys in the top 10 at their position. Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick are three and six, respectively. Javon Hargrave is fourth for defensive tackles. So they can get after the quarterback without blitzing, and it's what they did on Sunday. Yeah, I, I'm going to give you the uh, the the floor because this is your favorite stat you like to bring up. And I thought it was going to come up, come up in this instance for the people that 
because it's the running joke on Twitter. And I've been I've been one of the, the people to make this joke for the for the people that make the joke that all these new additions and edge rushers drop back into coverage and Gannon loves to throw the defensive line into coverage. What is the updated stat for guys like Hassan Reddick and, <laughs> and all these other guys that people claim are in pass coverage all the time? What is the updated stat for the number of snaps these players have played in pass coverage? If you if you have it. I will have it in just a second. I gotta scroll through it here. Okay, here we go. I know so, that's your that's your favorite. Yeah, stat, so right? people complain. <laughs> these are the, the two complaints about Gannon's defense nonstop. He doesn't blitz. The Eagles are above average in terms of blitz rate in the NFL. The other one is people love to complain about the Eagles dropping Josh Sweat into coverage, Brandon Graham into coverage, whatever. So Brandon Graham has dropped into coverage on 5.1% of his pass rushing snaps. Robert Quinn, mm. 2.1%. Josh Sweat, 3.6%. Hassan Reddick is the highest number at 13.6% because he's playing up. linebacker, so he's going to have right. to sometimes. In the times he's dropped, he's allowed four receptions, and he's got two pass breakups. So it, he doesn't do that. It's notable when it happens. You notice it because you notice. Because <laughs> it's bad when it happens. Notice, you see Robert Quinn out there. Yeah, you notice, slot, oh, my word, Robert Quinn has no idea what he's doing dropping into coverage. Well, he does it 2% of the time, but you got to do it a little bit for predictability reasons. Uh, but yeah, people are looking for nits to pick with that one. Yeah, yeah it's just funny when you bring it up because I always laugh because I make those jokes a lot. I had said I cannot wait to see 330-pound Linval Joseph in, in pass coverage because it's funny. It might work because he has the wingspan, but it is, it is what I, I, it I is. Distinctly, but... I distinctively remember, it, I think it was last year, and Dominican Sue dropping into coverage and getting a pass breakup for the Bucks. Hey, 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 if, when, it, when it works, it works. <laughs> um, so uh, to your point, yeah, Gannon uh, is, is hesitant to blitz. It's been even more so the case without Jordan Davis because you don't have that guy up in the middle taking up two defenders at once. So when you when you don't have the Jordan Davis obviously taking up two, two defenders over the middle, it's going to allow or it's going to it's going to be necessary for Gannon to use an additional defender to try and blitz without him there. That's why he's been um, um, as hesitant. So for I've been one of the uh, Jonathan Gannon, uh, I don't want to say supporters, but I think he's gotten a lot of flack. But without the defense, the score probably is is much worse. And the game is probably out of hand way before the fourth quarter. You mentioned uh, the four sacks by Matt Ryan. They held Indianapolis to just the opening drive touchdown. No more touchdowns for the rest of the game. They had the goal line stand in the fourth quarter and held the Colts to that field goal after Hertz was uh, was strip sacked on his own 22 yard line. On his best, that should have been a score from there. We were like, oh, man, this is the game. And and the Eagles uh, uh, did their part as far as the, uh, the the defense is concerned. So very encouraging things from Philadelphia's defense. We mentioned also on the post show, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, led, the ta- led the team with uh, 10 tackles. I feel like with each passing week, he's becoming more and more physical. He's getting more acclimated with the defense. And for a guy his size, he hits pretty hard. We mentioned that we thought a penalty was coming on on, on that one hit. I, I say it week in and week out that Garner Johnson is probably the first guy that's getting paid. You know, if it's not going to be in the middle of the season, it'll definitely be in the off season. Uh, um, your updated, your updated uh, impressions of Chauncey Gardner Johnson, because we used to make the running joke of the, uh, of the, uh, you know, he's, he, you have to be a good safety to be in the right place to get these interceptions. Unfortunately, his interception streak has, has come to an end uh, this week, but uh, a solid performance for him all around versus Indianapolis. Yeah, I, I blame Marcus Epps. If Marcus Epps had not stripped <laughs> that ball, Chauncey was about to get his interception. I could feel it in my bones. Mm. Um, yeah, he's got he's gotten tremendously better from the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, he's learning a new position. 
regardless of if he wanted to call himself a safety at the trade time, he was not. He'd never played safety. He played like four snaps in his career at safety. And so uh, he's been thrown into the fire and it was rough early. I think he's carried through that and he's playing really good football right now. So that's good to see. Uh, he still has some liabilities as a tackler. He's going to hit you hard. He, he might not bring you down, but uh, he's he's been a, known to miss a few tackles. But Overall, I think he's played really well. And and Marcus Epps as well has played really well. I think he under the radar because Chauncey gets all of the hype with the interceptions. But Marcus Epps has had a really solid season too. So safety looked really dire for the Eagles early in this offseason. And it's become, I don't know if I would say a strength of the team, but it's been a very good part of the team. Yeah, it's it's been, when you think of the safeties in general, because Marcus Epps has, has stepped into, uh, he's he's transitioned well into a full-time role. That was a big question in the offseason. You got both of these safeties uh, that that are looking to get paid, and then we have the long-running question of who's going to be, who's going to be <laughs> the ones the ones they keep around. It's starting to wonder who doesn't stick around at this point with the way uh, that that has been playing. And CJ, um, I don't know if you saw the clip that was running around the internet yesterday, Shane, with uh, Sirianni and what he said uh, to the Eagles fans, you know, sticking up for Frank Reich. Uh, but once he did that and when he came off, you know, when he walked back to the sideline, CJ Gardner Johnson was the first man there to like hug him and, and, and all this. So he's, he's embracing Philly and, and it's looking like that he's going to be a, a, a cornerstone for at least the defense for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, the Eagles are now nine of one for the sixth time in franchise history. They have either won or made it to the Super Bowl in all five instances in 1949, they won the NFL championship. It was at that time, <laughs> 1960, they won the championship 1980. They made the Super Bowl, lost to the Raiders 2004. Obviously made it, lost to the Patriots in 2017 when they uh, when they won it all. So hopefully history repeats itself this sixth time and they can uh, get themselves uh, to, to the big dance. Uh, any other uh, points you want to hit on as far as the Colts are concerned before we uh, go for a break and come back to preview the, uh, the Packers game? I think that's it for me. <laughs> I said I've had enough. I had enough of this game. Do you think Fletcher Cox isn't as tired uh, this time around? He was pretty winded after after that last game. Yo, that first drive, Linval Joseph, I thought was going to die. He was huffing, puffing. I was like, yo, this man is not in game shape. I give him credit for getting prepared, and, and obviously he got better as as the game went on. But boy, it looked like it took a minute for him to get his uh, to get his uh, legs underneath him. <laughs> yeah, at Fletcher Cox, man, you, you hate to see an Eagles legend go out the way that. Jason Peters did the way that Fletcher Cox is trending towards. He's just a non-factor in the game. He just doesn't. He's not the player that he used to be, and and it sucks to watch that, but he's just not. Um, hopefully they can, as Jordan Davis comes back, and with Sue and Joseph and these guys, they can rotate them enough that maybe he can give you something uh, in a playoff run. Uh, maybe he can get the Brandon Graham strip sack or something and ride off into the sunset. But it's been a rough season for Cox, and – He's looked rough the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's 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 not been great. One 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 more last thing I just thought of before we uh, before we go to break. Robert Quinn just uh just uh I believe ten snaps in this game. I thought uh, I had said on, on my podcast the other day that I thought this was going to be like a Chris Long as signing. It's been more of a Ryan Kerrigan thing <laughs> since he's been in in Philadelphia. What do you think's going on there? Is it just a a slow grind to learn the defense? But the fact that Linval Joseph and Sue obviously different positions. But the fact that they've both made more of an impact in the in the couple of days they've been here, you traded a fourth for Robert Quinn. You got to use him. You got to do something with him. What's what's the situation there? Yeah, I I don't know if he's just been really bad 
in practices and so they're not putting him on the field um, or if they just viewed him as depth protecting against an injury. Um, but it's not we what I expected one. when they traded a fourth round pick for him. I thought that he would probably be more involved in the rotation and he just hasn't been. And when he's been on the field, it hasn't been great. So uh, I don't know if the idea from the beginning was just injury protection or if the idea from the beginning was get him into the rotation and it just hasn't worked well. But uh, again, hopefully he can kind of string it together too. The Eagles have a lot of talent on the defensive line, so they can buy time, but you would love for you know that Chris Long role to be filled more so than the Ryan Kerrigan one. Yeah, I definitely don't want that. Ryan Kerrigan did, wasn't even like, we didn't know he was on the roster until the playoff game. I think he had a sack or two in that Tampa game. It didn't matter, obviously, but I was like, oh, he can still, he can still play a little bit. All right, that wraps up the uh, at least a recap of the uh, uh, of the Colts game. Eagles sit at nine and one following their seventeen to sixteen victory and come back back home to face Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers this Sunday night. We're going to head to a quick break and then come back to uh, preview that game. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to stay tuned right here to the EPA podcast on Bleeding Green Nation. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the EPA podcast. Just finished talking Eagles-Colts. We're going to get into the Eagles and Packers on Sunday Night Football, previewing that matchup. But before we can even get into the matchup, Victor, the black helmets, the all-black uniforms. It's the first time we're going to see it. What are your thoughts on the uniform combination? Um, I always like the the blackouts. I think they're always a sleek look. I know some people are indifferent about the black helmets because in certain lighting, it doesn't look too different than the than the midnight green. But I'm intrigued to see how it looks. I personally wanted to debut it uh, against Dallas, uh, but I guess it's not too bad uh, going against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers uh, with them all. But I've always loved the the all black looks. They're my they're my favorite jerseys. My actually hot take. I have a really hot take. I actually think midnight green is better than Kelly Green. And I know that's not a popular take, but everybody wants the Kelly Green, and I can't wait for Kelly Green. I personally don't understand the infatuation with it because what did we win in Kelly Green? We didn't win anything in Kelly Green. Why do we? But I get it. It's like the Sixers and the Blacks. I, I love those. So I get it for the uh, nostalgia aspect of it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just don't have the nostalgia with Kelly Green. That was before my time. So Yeah, it wasn't my era, so maybe for, for, I the, do, for however, the generation before us. I love the old school logo with the eagle and the football. I, I really like that logo. I've always thought that was really cool. So, Oh, the green eagle with the – yeah, that's that's dope. That's dope. I'm, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying like midnight green is 
is a dope color. Why does everybody want Kelly so bad? Anything's better than the mustard yellow and the baby blue <laughs> that we wore once, one time. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I like the black helmets, man. I'm not a huge fan of the whole like monochromatic look that everybody's going with, like the solid white for the Bengals. Like, yeah. mix it up here, though. Like, my ideal uniform combination would be the black pants, the Kelly green top, and then the black helmet. Mm-hmm. I think that would look really cool. But nobody asked me, so. There you go. I want to see the return of the of the midnight green jerseys with the midnight green pants. I want it all green. I want to see the return of that. I used to play that combination in like Madden, like back in the day. Uh, I think I hate I hate the uh, like the 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 white like the white jersey. I don't hate it, but like the white jersey and the green pants is just so like plain. I'm like we need to spice it up. I wonder how everything's going to look next year when they you know update the word mark. I think 2024 is when they update uh, the uh, the word mark like this new one on jerseys. I guess we'll see how that looks. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the Packers. Uh, the Packers are not a good football team, but they do have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback mm-hmm. who has not been a good quarterback this year. But you always wonder if Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to just flip a switch. And, uh, you know, Christian Watson, who looked really bad over the first several several weeks of the season, suddenly has five touchdowns in the two last two weeks. And so uh, the Packers are maybe beginning to find their footing. I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but if Aaron Rodgers has confidence in one of his receivers, it could be problematic. Uh, They are the 14th overall DVOA team. They're ninth in offensive DVOA and 20th in defensive DVOA. The most notable things is uh, they have a really good run offense, which maybe the Eagles have that issue fixed, and they have a really bad run defense so this could be a very run heavy game on both sides of the ball on sunday night yeah i think so especially with the uh is the i don't know if you've seen it there's like rumors or like initial reports of like rogers and like a thumb thing going on like he has a thumb injury of some sort i'm, I'm seeing rumors of of that i haven't checked uh before this but i'm i, I remember last week like his hand was bothering him uh but regardless yeah aaron jones is has been a problem this year especially with the lack of receiver talent um, pass catchers, the leading, who do you think is the leading receiver for, I don't know if you've looked at it, but who do you think is the leading receiver currently for the Packers? Uh, is it, um, is it the running back? No, <laughs> oh, that would be depressing. No, nah, it's Alan Lazard. So he oh, okay, has, okay. uh, 529 yards. He's missed, missed some time, but he came back. Uh, the tight end, Robert Tunyon is at 342 yards. Then you have Randall Cobb who Aaron Rodgers, you know, whined and complained for. He wanted him back. So he's here. 330 yards. The other rookie, Romeo Dobbs, he's been one of Rogers' favorite targets as of late, but he is injured. And then Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins are all uh, in the mix. But to your point, Sam, uh, Christian Watson, has it five touchdowns in the last two weeks? It is? Yeah, five touchdowns so is, in the last two games. He is uh, he is coming into his zone. He's a guy I really, really liked. <clears throat> he's a guy I really, really liked out of uh, North Dakota. I did a lot of film study on him because – uh, Aaron Moorhead with the Eagles uh, did some workouts with him, so I thought he was a potential option to pair with with Devontae Smith. Rare combination of speed and size. I like what he can do, and he's now breaking out uh, into the league. So I'm I'm happy uh, happy him happy for him on that front. Rushing, the, as far as the the rushing is concerned, Aaron Jones leads the way, 778 yards. AJ Dillon right behind him at nearly 500 yards. So a very good one-two punch as far as the running backs are concerned. AJ Dillon is the more is the more physical guy. Aaron Jones is the more finesse guy. AJ Dillon is running at you hard at 250 pounds. So we we got these uh we got these big boys, these big beefy men in the middle of the defensive line just in time. 
Yeah, uh, they they love to run the ball. And even if you stack the box, they're going to run it anyways. They run into a stacked box on 34% of their plays, which is seventh highest in the league. So they want to establish the run. Like we mentioned, they've had a good rushing attack. Uh, and then when they throw the ball, it's it seems like it's one of two things. They're, so first of all, they're very RPO and screen heavy. Third in the league in RPO, second in screen. So Rodgers gets the ball out fast uh, and he gets it out into space or he's pushing the ball downfield. So that feels like a bad matchup to me for the Eagles defense, who we know prior to last week, they've struggled to stop the run. Hopefully they got that figured out. But then when they start running RPOs, when they start throwing screens, the Eagles don't typically get up and press on the line of scrimmage. They're playing off coverage. And if about the time you would get tempted to come up, well, Aaron Rodgers loves to push the ball deep, and he seems to have found that rapport with Christian Watson at running behind defenses lately. So it does strike me as a matchup that could be problematic for the Eagles defense. Uh, and, and maybe I'm just giving the Aaron Rodgers name more credit than it deserves at this point, because he has not been very good this season, but you never know which Rodgers is going to show up. And so that's, I think that's always concerning when you go against the Packers. Yeah. You still have to be like, you know, uh, aware of, uh, of, of Aaron Rodgers. People hear that name and I know it's been, it's been a rough go for him this season, 19 touchdowns to, I believe seven interceptions uh, for Aaron Rodgers, but he still has a 93.2, you know, uh, rating. His uh, touchdown to interception ratio is 1.9. So he's still, uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. It's just been a rough go without receivers. And he's probably not all that happy there right now. <laughs> so all that all, all that plays into it. I'm sure if he was someplace happier, um, he, he, he'd be playing a little better. But at, at the end of the day, to your point, he's still Aaron Rodgers. And he can still make some things happen. As Christian Watson is now at uh, – I'm trying to find it here. He's at – Watson, Watson, 13.5 yards per reception after these last two weeks. Alan Lazard is at 13.9. So these guys, more than anything, when Aaron Rodgers finds them, it's it's more often than not, it's downfield for 30 yards. <laughs> so the Eagles have to make sure that they don't get beat because Aaron Rodgers has been killing defenses. When he has been effective, it's more so been downfield than in the uh, intermediate game. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's 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 if they can run the ball, they can set up play action shots. Uh, if the Eagles have to start over committing to the run, then that could be problematic. So this is one of those games where you definitely want your newfound running defense to work the way it's intended, because if it doesn't, they're just going to keep running the ball until you overcommit. And then Rogers wants to take his shots. He's always loved to push the ball downfield. Over the first six weeks, Christian Watson's <laughs> 10 catches for 88 yards. And then over the last two weeks alone, he seemingly broke out of that for 155 yards and five touchdowns. So it is uh that's that's kind of the one guy I've circled on my radar. Lazard has been the uh, the trust guy for for Aaron Rodgers. He's he's one of the uh, reliable ones. He has Randall Cobb who's who's uh, come back and he does some damage out of the slot. But Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are are, are no slouches. Hopefully the uh, debuts of Indomitian Sue and Linval Joseph carry over into next week with another week of the uh, playbook under their belts and we're only one week away from Jordan Davis returning hopefully for the Titans he's he's supposedly on track to return next week for for the Titans when Derrick Henry uh comes to town because after that you got that three game uh, I think it's a three game road stretch from that point so you got to take advantage of these two home games while you have them and uh further uh entrench yourself for that lead in the NFC yeah absolutely so th this is a this is a key game especially because you expect the Titans game 
uh, coming up the next week to be a tough one. So you can't you can't let the Packers come in on a Sunday night on your home field with a division and a conference that's so tight. You can't let it that game get away from you. So you go yeah. Green Bay, Tennessee, and then you've got Chicago or excuse me, New York, and then Chicago and Dallas. And so mm-hmm. there's some Justin Fields is on fire. He is lighting it up as a play. Although so I know he's all hurt, injured, banged up so we'll shoulder. See. Yeah. But yeah, banged up shoulder. So flipping over to like the Packers defense, um, they they primarily run a nickel two four five defense. They run that on like fifty percent of their plays. So uh, they're a three four base defense, and then when they get into nickel, uh, they take you know two defensive linemen. They put two defensive ends on the line of scrimmage, and they rush that way. And they, they they're pretty much in three four or two four five almost every play. Uh, they they play a lot of light boxes. So. Similar to the Eagles who like to play light boxes, too high shell, nickel personnel. That's similar to what the Packers want to do. With the exception of uh, they do a lot more post-snap spinning coverages, blitzing than the Eagles do. Uh, They blitz a lot. 41% of passing downs, they send a blitz. Nobody in the NFL blitzes more than the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Side note the Giants blitz the second most in the NFL. So the Eagles have three games coming up in the next few weeks against the top two blitzing defenses in the NFL. So they will blitz a lot. Uh, Like I said, they start in two high shells, but they spin to one high coverages about 55% of the time. So they're rotating coverages. uh, They're sending zone pressures, things like that, uh, which again could be problematic for the Eagles. This is a game where the Eagles are going to want to be able to run the ball on early downs uh, because If you're not able to run the ball, if you get behind the sticks, all of a sudden you've got the Packers, whose defense hasn't been great, but they confuse things. They muddy the waters post-snap. They're going to send heat. They're not going to give you the same post-snap look that they gave you before the snap. And Jalen Hurts is going to have to be able to read all that out while pressure's flying in around him. So uh, this strikes me as a run-heavy script game for the Eagles. They have not run the ball a ton the last two weeks. I think they get back to it a lot this week against the Packers. Yeah, uh, and they have linebackers too that are that that can do some damage. Rashawn Gary is there six sacks this year. Preston Smith five sacks this year. So they got a couple guys who can uh, get after the quarterback in those blitz looks um, um, that you mentioned. And uh, can't forget about their corners either. Jair Alexander still still a top corner in this league. I assume he'll be on AJ Brown and uh, former Eagle and Rizul Douglas, who has made a name for himself in Green Bay after his rough rough start uh, in Philadelphia. He had the sensational uh, ending to the year last year, and he's been uh, somewhat decent this year. He's only allowing a a 73.4 passer rating. He has a couple touchdowns off some, uh, I think, two pick sixes, actually. Both his interceptions have been pick sixes. So uh, they they have a couple guys. Uh, I know Eric Stokes is in the mix as well as far as cornerbacks. So they have guys that certainly get after the quarterback, and they have very good coverage guys as well. So it's going to be up to um, Steichen to, to scheme around that because to your point, Jalen Hurts is going to have pressure around him. Is he going to remain status quo as last weekend rush, you know, uh, use his legs to make these uh, pass rushers pay, or are they going to try and do what they did at the beginning of the season and try to scheme these guys open? Because for the most part, AJ and, and Devontae Smith, uh, they beat their cornerbacks for, for the most part in this game. Devontae got what he wanted when he was targeted and AJ did as well, although AJ only had two targets in the second half for whatever reason. So, and he was off the field like on that one three and out drive, like he wasn't even on the field for that instance. So AJ Brown um, and Devonte Smith will have to take advantage 
of their matchups as well. But I'm intrigued to see how Steichen can beat the other blitz heavy Packers defense. Yeah, uh, and the Packers defense does have some injuries. Uh, Rashawn Gary's on IR right now, and I think Eric Stokes is going to be out for this game as well. So uh, one of the things that forces the Packers to do is they, they've been keeping Jair Alexander out of the slot. They like to put him in the slot sometimes um, when they go into nickel personnel. So with uh, Stokes out, they've been dropping Darnell Savage from safety into the slot and putting another name that Eagles fans will recognize in Rudy Ford uh, in at safety mm-hmm. in their nickel packages. So hey, he picked off Dak twice, didn't he, Rudy Ford? Yes, yeah, picked off Dak twice. So, <laughs> uh, oh, you, you hate to see it, but uh, so I, I think the Eagles can throw on, on this. You know, the pass rush isn't going to be as scary with Gary out. The, the pass coverage isn't as good with Stokes out. It doesn't let them do what they want to do with Jair Alexander. They're all of a sudden they're having to drop a safety into the slot and all those sorts of adjustments they have to make. I think this is a team you can throw on. I just think it's a team that you would rather run on to try to take the teeth out of that blitz. Yeah. Let's hope that they're able to uh, go ahead and uh, get moving on, on that Packers defense, try to make it to 10 and one. Like we said, the Packers haven't done a whole lot, of, <laughs> not a whole lot of uh, uh, damage this year, but it's still Aaron Rodgers, and you still got to respect what he's done in the league and what he is still capable of especially with uh, Christian Watson now emerging and recording five touchdowns in his last uh, two games. Uh, Shane, any other things you want to tap on for this Packers game before we uh, go ahead and wrap this up? Yeah, just that we've talked about facing challenges uh, heading into the playoffs, knowing that the Eagles didn't have the most difficult schedule. The Achilles heel of the offense early in the season was facing blitzes. And so uh, it feels like they've gotten better against that. Like I said, two games against the Giants coming up. You've got the Packers, very blitz-heavy teams. We're going to find out real fast if that's still an issue that they need to work on heading into the playoffs or if that's been taken care of. So that's probably what I'm most fascinated to see in this game is what the Eagles' answers to the blitz are offensively, especially in the drop-back passing game. Yeah, yeah it would be up to <laughs> interesting to see how, that, how, how Jalen Hurts will be utilized uh, uh, this time around. In this game, appreciate you guys for uh, taking a listen to the EPA podcast right here on Bleeding Green Nation. Be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, leave those reviews to help the exposure of BGN Radio. I'm your host, Victor Williams. Follow me at the Philly Pod on all social platforms. Shane, where can the people find you and all your past and upcoming projects that you got cooking up? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. You can find my YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I've got a lot of all 22 video out this week. I put one out on the strip sack. What went wrong? I did a one about blitzing. Uh, I did one about the Eagles run defense. I did a game review for Josiah Scott, and I'm in the middle of a Jalen Hurts passing review that'll come out later today. So I put all those out on Twitter, but I'm limited to two two minutes and 20 seconds. So I have to chop them up into pieces. So you can go to YouTube and you can skip that and you can just see the whole videos if you want. So give those a follow. Um, uh, you're hill a lot of the information that I put out on this podcast because the, the prep work is the same, but uh, with a little more visual form. So you can check those out. Uh, and like I said, just keep it tuned to me on Twitter for everything else. Hey, man, you could have gave Elon the eight bucks so you can post like 10 minute videos, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not worth it. Not worth it. Thanks, guys, for, uh, for, for listening to the show. We'll be back with you guys next Wednesday, as always, to recap hopefully another Eagles victory and hopefully a 10 and one record this has been the epa podcast eagles player analysis with victor williams and shane have signing off we'll catch you guys next week five equals five baby go birds